This is episode 30 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and my guest tonight is an Oilers fan from Brazil, Gabriel Canjado. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Oh, uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, nice, to, nice to hear you. It's my pleasure to be here and participate in the show. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. We've been following each other on Twitter for a little while now. and Yeah, I, thought, I know, I know, I noticed. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was really cool to, to see that there are Oilers fans in Brazil. Oh, and uh, and there's not a few of them. A lot of, a lot of fans from Brazil interact with me in Twitter. Like there is some, some other ones. And that's nice because uh, when I created the the, uh, the profile, um, I didn't met anyone that supported the Oilers in Brazil. And with the profile, I could get in touch with a lot of them. It's, it's not a lot, like in Canada, of course, but but really nice to to talk with them, to to speak, um, to change some opinions, change. Uh, to discuss about the lies, discuss about the victories, the losses, and everything that's related to the Edmonton Oilers. That's awesome, man. It's just, uh, you know, you know, I had no idea that there were as many hockey fans there as yeah. there appears to be, because I think everyone thinks of Brazil as a soccer country, first and yeah. foremost. Oh, yeah, it's the, oh, absolutely, it's the first sport by far. It's like a, a religion in here. <laughs> but if you if you try to if you try to think the soccer and the ice hockey, they are kind of the same. The objective is to to put the puck or the ball into a goal. We have some players. It's a kind of a, a sport with few points. Okay, Very that's true. way more than than, <laughs> than soccer, and it's smaller, less less players. But the objective is the same. I think. Oh, definitely. I mean. Growing up, I always played hockey in the winter mm -hmm. and soccer in the summer. Those were my my two main sports that I played. Oh, I I, nice I stopped I stopped playing soccer when I was about fifteen, but I've played hockey my entire life. And um, yeah, it's just it's really cool to see that there are fans um all over the world for the Oilers. I mean, I've had fans on this podcast from the United States, Australia, England. Now, most of the fans on this show are from Edmonton or the surrounding area, but yeah. it's just it's just really interesting to me to see that uh, fans can even wind up in Brazil. And it's, it's not like the Oilers are one of the larger teams in the league. Like, they do play in a smaller city. It's mm -hmm. not like the Chicago Blackhawks or the Montreal yeah, yeah. Canadiens or Toronto Maple Leafs. But, um, yeah, it's it's just really cool to me. And, and um, tonight we're going to break down the Oilers' two games this week against the Ottawa Senators. But first, right. I'd just like to find out a little bit about your background. So tell me, when did you first get interested in hockey and how did you become a fan of the Oilers? Oh, so that's kind of a long story. Um... Well, I got time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everything begins like uh, when I was, I don't know, 10, 11. By the way, I'm 24 years old right now. And there is a show that's called Everybody Hates Chris. That I don't know, it's way popular in the States, in Canada. I that's the history the of, of Chris Brock, the comedian. And I know the show and I bet I know the episode you're going to talk yeah, about. Too. Yeah, of course, of course. A lot <laughs> of Brazilian fans are, are just because of this episode and I'm one, on, uh, I'm one of them. And so there is an episode that uh, the Chris brother drew. He, his father gave him a, 
a graphic shirt that says Gritsky, the name the number is 98. And I just watched this episode, they go to the hotel, they skip classes, they 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 try to meet Gretzky, but they can't. But all right, I just watched the 10, 11, that's okay. Just watch and move my life. Nothing enough to do with the with ice hockey. I didn't search anything. Some months later, I guess some years later, a friend of mine asked for his father to buy the new NFL game for uh, PS2. I don't know. Uh, and his and his father changed changed the letters and bought the new NHL game. And then uh, he he just couldn't change it. He knew nothing about ice hockey, and and he he kept he kept the game. And one day he called me, like I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Oh, yeah, I have a new game. It's an alternative sport. It's going to come here and play, play some NHL, play some, play that game in the in video game. Yeah, all right, I can see. Like, I don't know anything, but all right. And when I started playing, I saw, oh my God, it was, uh, I started to discover the, the sport. It was hits, it was fights, it, it's so fast. Everybody skating with ice, and I was like a child. My eyes like were <laughs> shining to see it, to see that that sports exist, that fights are allowed, a lot of hits, so different uh, from soccer, but it's the same. And when I was choosing the team, the only one that I recognized was the Oilers because of the episode from Everybody Hates Chris. And then I saw the sport that I started to doing some research and then I did some research about the Oilers. That was the only one that I could remember. And then I saw the history of Gretzky, uh, Yari Curie, uh, Messier, Grant Fuhr. And then one thing led to another. Ten years later, I have a profile about, to talk only about the, this team. That's awesome, man. And I, I got to tell you, Chris Rock is one of my favorite comedians. Oh, yeah, he's and, awesome. And I loved that show, too. I, you know, I just quickly looked it up here, and that episode you're talking about came out in March of 2008. So, uh, so, I don't know if I watched it when it was released, because it was released in the States. When it came to Brazil, I, thought, I think it was 2010, 11. Oh, I see. I, I rem it's in, I remember to see um, it's near Neil Yakupov's draft that was in 2012. That's right. Something near. That's interesting though, because, and I got to tell you, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is just talking to Oilers fans and finding out how they became fans of the team. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most interesting stories I have ever heard of how someone became an Oilers fan. Uh, and to think that it was from a television show. And I'll tell you, anytime I see Oilers stuff anywhere, I, I mean, I love it, especially outside mm -hmm. of the normal places where you would see it on television. So to see an Oilers jersey on an American sitcom, that, mm -hmm. was, that was one of... You know, uh, one of my coolest experiences watching that show anyway. And I, like I said, I was a big fan of the show as well when yeah. it aired. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I think that's awesome, man. And just um, you mentioned some of the Oilers legends a minute ago. Uh, obviously, my hero is Wayne Gretzky, as you can probably tell by the name of this podcast. <laughs> uh, who are some of your favorite Oilers players? Well, of course, I, uh, I have to 
to talk about Wayne too, of course, the, the great one, the 99. Uh, there is no one, I think, that will ever uh, come close to what he was, to, to his numbers, his statistics. That's like amazes me even today that how one human being could do every everything that he he did but but of course and today i have a lot of love for conor mcdavid and leon tricidal that's no doubt about it i think a lot of edmond uh, a lot of uh, oilers fans think the same because you know i when i started watching the oilers so i like that decade that wasn't the greatest one for yeah he, he for, came in at a tough time <laughs> well the, the toughest i think <laughs> yeah that was a, that was a tough time to start cheering for the team i uh i mean i i watched the team in the decade before that when they were you know an average team that would sort of mm -hmm. be competing for a playoff spot and would either be in or out every year and then obviously they made it to the stanley cup final in 2006 and then yeah, yeah. For, for the next yes. decade it was really rough yeah, I, I didn't watch it, of course, the 2006 Stanley Cup final, but uh, I don't know if it was for the best. Uh, what, uh, I don't know if I want to talk about that specific, <laughs> specific series. It still I, hurts 15 years it, later. It still hurts me that I know what will would happen. I watched the, the replay and I still think, oh my God, if I watch this live, uh, it would be nice. The, oh, especially yeah. the, the game one. My I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? At the time, I had recorded all the games on VHS tape. Oh. <laughs> and this was like, you know, like I said, in 2006. But now almost every game you can find on YouTube. So and, and yeah. I mean, who who still has a VCR anymore either that, that I can go back <laughs> and watch those. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, that's that's really cool, man. And of course, I think everyone loves McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, how can you not? But um, maybe all your patience through the decade of darkness will pay off with a really <laughs> exciting. So. Yeah, it'll pay off with I a really so, exciting uh, decade of Oilers hockey in the 2020s. Um, I hope so like, too. I hope God and the great God bless you. God bless the Oilers. God bless this decade. The... Absolutely, my friend. That's great. Um, so we talked a little bit about the 2006 Stanley Cup there. Uh, those are some of my best memories of watching hockey in my entire life. Uh, what are your best memories of watching the Oilers? One that I remember vividly. I watch it today before before the podcast. Every time that I'm under the mood and I'm kind of sad, I put this video. The, this video, it's like... A, I think a lot of people who cheer for the Oilers choose this one. It's the David Desjardins overtime goal against the Sharks. That oh my God, I screamed so loudly when he scored it. The broadcaster was so yelling. It was like 2 a.m. in Brazil, 2, 3 a.m. It was really late. And when he scored it, it was a game five. My God, that's why I, yeah. I remember vividly this, that goal. And I think a lot of Oilers fans I remember too, because I remember even today the broadcaster he yells a lot like, "Oh, David Dejarnay, um, oh my yeah. God, I'm winner!" No, it's awesome. Every time oh, that I kind of said I watched the that go and, and 
gets me back. Under yeah, I'll never forget that goal. That I think that probably has to be the most memorable goal from the 2017 playoff. Yeah, it was the the only appearance from the playoffs. It was my first one. Yeah, my first time that I I was watching, and the game five overtime in Edmonton. Oh, and that overtime going the end. We're that coming up on the four-year anniversary of that goal, too. It's hard to believe that was four years oh ago. My God, four years ago. I remember like it was yesterday, man. <laughs> it was... and, and after, I remember, too, but it's a, it's a sad memory, that game that we are leading the Anaheim Ducks in the next stage. And we suffered three goals in the, three or four goals, I don't remember. Three goals yeah. in the third period, and then we went to game seven, and... And well, you know the history. Yeah, the we are we are here. We are here. And of course, disappointing the, the series, that here. That series against the the Chicago Blackhawks in the last the Chicago Blackhawks last year that we we didn't qualify for I don't know point zero zero eight, and we got to play the Blackhawks and well, you know the history too. <laughs> yeah, just a it, it was a tough break last year in the playoffs and. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Oilers probably should have went further than they did, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation where that team, with all the experience they had, turned back the clock, and unfortunately, they just yeah. they got the best of the Oilers. But you know, you have to still tip your hat to them. They yeah, they yeah, deserve to win the way they played. I really think that if the Oilers would have had um, a little better goaltending, and if they would have been able to get some line pairings together that would have been more beneficial. We could have seen that series go in a different way, but ultimately it is what it is. The, the top players performed well enough. They just defensively struggled. And I think the four month layoff really hurt them because they were playing excellent leading up to that, uh, hmm? that yeah, cancellation, or not cancellation, the postponement of the rest of the season. Yeah. And the goaltending and the defense is something that I talk about it since I started the profile and I talk even today. That's right. Like, um, today is, is, uh, it's better. Like, I, I really like how, how we're playing. Uh, Mike Smith is like, surprising everyone <laughs> with uh, how he is producing. But of course, uh, the defense and the goaltending is the, is the major problem of the Montoyers from some time. Because the, the offensive part of McDavid, Drysider, right now have Puliyarvi, Yamamoto, that's uh, like younger ones that are performing well too. Uh, it's going it's going great. It's going really good. Yeah. And I mean, even though the Oilers didn't technically make the playoffs last year, they still finished mm-hmm. second place in the division. And like I said, they lost the qualifying run, but we all know they were a good regular season team last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're a good regular season team again this year, so the goal will obviously be to have a longer playoff run, and we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes, but first I just want to finish up my last question for you. Uh, do you hope to visit Canada in the future and uh, attend some Oilers games? No, of course. It's a, it's a dream. It's in my plans. It's the, if I could be, it's the next country that I want, and it's, it's my dream since I was, I don't know, uh, 15, 14, 16 years that to watch some some Oilers game live at the Rexall place, it was the, the place before, and right now in the Rogers place, uh, I, uh, a lot of people like send me some photos, Brazilian ones that went to Edmonton, went to watch some Oilers game, and then I was oh my god, that's so awesome! It's even prettier than I thought. It's even cooler than I think it would be, 
and I, I wish I could know some of the, the Canadian ones, the Edmonton, the Edmonton ones that are always interacting with me on Twitter and chat with them, uh, grab some Oilers game with them, grab some, some beverage and spoke a little bit about the Oilers and, and of course, know the city, know the stadium, sure. know the team, know everybody and, and visit Canada sometime. But uh, right now it's kind of difficult. It's difficult. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> there is well, one specific, but I wish... Once we- once we get over this pandemic, maybe you can make a trip out here. Let me know when you get, when you're coming to Edmonton. I'll I'll try and meet you for a game, maybe. No, of course, of course. I'll, I'll let everyone knows that that I'm in Edmonton the, because you know I'll be just by myself in there with no any single person. The nearest person that I knew would be I don't know one ten thousand kilometers from here. <laughs> yeah. From, the good thing is, uh, there's the Oilers have a great fan community, and uh, I'm sure they would welcome you with uh, open arms. But all right, let's uh, now jump into the two games. And like I said, it was great to just find out a little more about you as well. So thank thank you for sharing all that, Gabriel. And like I said, we're going to talk about the Oilers' two games against the Senators now this week. Yeah, we'll start. It was, it was my pleasure, Eric. It was a pleasure to to be able to tell the history. You were the first one that came to me that gave me a chance to talk some. To talk uh, some about the profile, about my history, to to chat about the the Brazilian fan base here. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. You you're great to talk to so far, and thank you. You too. And we still have a lot more to chat about. So, like I said, now we'll actually dive in to the actual games. And like I said, we'll start with Edmonton's 4-2 win over Ottawa on Wednesday, where head coach Dave Tippett reunited Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the top line. And the dynamic duo had four points each. Dreisaitl yeah. recorded his fourth career hat-trick and added one assist. And McDavid scored the game-winning goal and picked up three assists in the victory. Yeah, and they, they really were the difference in this game. Um, Gabriel... McDavid and Dreisaitl have dominated the Senators all season long, so I understand why Tippett chose to have them back on the same line this week. I mean, how much fun do you have watching these guys play every game, and do you think they should play together, or would you prefer to see them driving their own lines? Uh, well, of course, it is. I have a lot of fun to watch them, them playing together. Like, they are the best, the best, uh, the best two in the in the in the NHL right now, I think, even on points and with abilities and that stuff. And but we're talking about the Senate, the Senators, the Senators, and they aren't the, the strongest team that we have. It's not like a, we can relate a lot with these games. In the first game, the McDavid and Drysaddle line worked perfectly. It was. Four goals, it was Connor to Leon, Connor to Leon, Leon to Connor, and Connor to Leon with the assist and with the goal, including the, the hat trick from Dreisaitl. But I don't know, against the Senators, it's one thing, they are like in the bottom of the league, they are kind in a, they are a rebuild team. If we're going to the, the playoffs, like I think we are going to get the, the Winnipeg Jets. I think it's, yeah, every day it's more clear that Toronto will, will finish first. We, uh, the others and the Jets will we exchange between the second and third, and probably the Montreal Montreal Canadiens will finish fourth. I don't know if it will be the the, the best combination. To be really honest, I like when Drysaddle comes to the second line, makes the first line really great the second one 
get a lot of a lot of strength. And I'm really I really enjoy to see Nugent Hopkins and McDavid playing together as well. And I think that is working so far in the season too. But will be nice to see to see to see Dreisaitl and McDavid together yeah. if if they could keep the if they could keep the same level as they did against the Senators, against the Jets, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, and some other teams. And I see where you're coming from too. I mean, when you have two of the top offensive players in the league yeah. on your team, the temptation is to have them on the same line. Yeah, of course. But as fun as it is to watch McDavid and Dreisaitl play together, I think it's better for the team to have them on separate lines because it, it just doesn't allow the opposition to put all of their best defensive players out against them. So if if McDavid go, ends up going up against the top checkers, that creates an easier matchup for the Dreisaitl line. Uh, however, you can get away with it against weaker teams like the Senators. But when the playoffs start, like you were kind of talking about some of the teams that Edmonton could be facing, I, I believe you have to have them both playing center. And uh, it's just, it's just going to be a better solution for the team. We saw in the 2017 playoffs, once the Oilers split up McDavid and Dreisaitl, how, how effective they were against yeah, the Ducks. Ultimately, they didn't win the series, but they dominated mm -hmm. uh, in game six when they needed to get back in the series. Yeah, of course. Uh, that 7-1 victory, I think. Yes, uh, good memory. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I read about it today. That's why I remember. <laughs> so, so But I remember the game. I remember that. I watched it. And 7-1 is a, it's a famous score here in Brazil because the World Cup and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. Um, you know, there's two goals specifically I want to talk to you about from Wednesday's game. And we'll start with Dreisaitl's go-ahead goal late in the second period. Um, after gaining the zone, Dreisaitl immediately skated to below the goal line and blasted a wicked mm -hmm. one-timer from a near-impossible angle that somehow no. went in. Uh, Gabriel, what can you say about that goal? I I took some time to to see that it it was really his goal that didn't didn't touch the goalie anyone touched it that was really he shot the puck and it went right in like um, it was the, I saw in the in the other Senators game on uh, yesterday they analyzing that goal how the puck went went in and I don't know it. If if he does that uh, another hundreds of times, I I think he'll 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 get the going some of them, and luckily he gets one when when it's the most important time too. Yeah, that absolutely. Was that, an that was amazing a huge goal. goal. I yeah. I mean, I was watching the game with my dad, and we were both shocked that it was able to mm. somehow get in. Mm. He just had to pick his spot perfectly. We when we when he shot the puck, we were thinking that there would be some sort of rebound popping out, but the fact that he was able to yeah. find the smallest area that he could put that puck, it, that, it was a near-perfect shot. No, it was... He has he had just some millimeters to, to put the puck in the in the goal, and he, yeah. he really nailed it. It was nearly perfect shot. But it, and it was nice for, from the right side, because he, he is the, the reigning MVP, and the reigning Art Ross Trophy, and even with all these trophies, all these these achievements, 
um, he's not the the first the first player of the of the team, and big cheers from to him that he he kept playing, he kept his cool, and he knows that he's with McDavid. Everybody will talk about McDavid, McDavid firstly, but we we couldn't be where where we are without Leon. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's such a huge part of this team. And of course. to win a Stanley Cup, I really think you need to have two yeah. elite level players to sort of take your team on a deep playoff run. And the Oilers have that filling in the rest of the roster and getting good goaltending. These are other things that they're going to need along the way, but they have their foundation, which is the yeah. hardest thing to acquire. So and the fact that both these guys are coming into their prime years now it's th this is the window to really start competing for multiple Stanley Cups over the next few years. Um, but that shot, man, I've yeah. seen Dreisaitl score from some pretty crazy angles before. He loves to take that one-timer from low in the right circle. Oh, but that is, that is probably the, the most unbelievable angle I've seen him even attempt a shot at before. And the fact that it went in made it even that much better. Yeah, uh, like I said, it took some time to, to see that it was really his goal. To, didn't touch the goalie or anyone else. And uh, when I saw that he he took the shot, I was like, oh my God, dumb shot. Never that it will go in. And then I just heard, hear the, the horn sounding and the team celebrating. And that impossible shot actually went in. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I want to focus on McDavid's goal now. So he collected his fourth four-point game of the season on Wednesday. Uh, but more impressively, he tied Bobby Orr as the fourth fastest yeah. player in NHL history to reach 350 career assists. And with about six minutes left in the third period, McDavid just drove hard to the net and roofed the puck for a highlight reel goal after the Oilers had controlled the puck in the Senators' zone for about... I, I want to say almost two minutes. Gabriel, yeah. did, did you get the feeling that the Oilers were about to score on that shift? And do you ever get amazed at the goals that McDavid scores, or are you just used to them by now? No, no of course. Every time you, you can blink, and McDavid will be at uh, 50 kilometers an hour with the puck, and if you blink again, the puck is in the net. He's... His speed is awesome. I don't know how he does it. I, I've never skated in my life. I've never seen snow in my life. I think that is really, really, really difficult to achieve that, that speed, that control of the puck, and doing everything that he does so fast. His IQ of the game is, my God, it's awesome. And he tired just with Bob Yard at some... some a really, really great player, historical one, classical one. Like we are, we are really watching the the history being written. We are written seeing the oh. history being written again. It's a, I think it's the best lineup. I couldn't have said it better, man. I mean, look, those two players, they both had the ability to take the puck end to end and score some incredible goals. And the fact that Bobby Orr is also Connor McDavid's agent makes it even uh, yeah. more interesting. And after the game, I actually found out that McDavid and Dreisaitl were the first Oilers teammates to score 20 goals through 40 games 
in back-to-back seasons since Wayne Gretzky, Yari Curry, and Glenn Anderson in 1986-87 and 87-88. So it's pretty impressive anytime you can be mentioned in the same sentence as a few Hall of yeah. Famers, especially yeah. the great one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. You you know what happened in, in those years, too. Um, yes, absolutely. But every time, every day, uh, I, I go into Twitter and I see some other record that the artists are tying the, the Gretzky, the Gretzky artists from the 80s, or the, the artists that won five Stanley Cups. Every time there is a new record about McDavid and Dreisaitl, and the whole team as well. And that's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. These, uh, these two the... guys are the best players the Oilers have had since Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messi. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're, why... we're looking at our generation's version of those two players. Now, they might not be as good as, as Gretzky and, and Messier were in their prime. And, and here's yeah. the thing. Connor McDavid, I think, could still... Uh, eclipse Mark Messier's scoring, although he was more than just a scorer. He was a physical presence, too. He was an incredible leader, uh, could skate like the wind, much like McDavid was. But, I mean, Gretzky's numbers are on a whole nother level, even for Messier. So he, that's a that's a stratosphere that no one's going to touch. But the fact that Dreisaitl and McDavid both have the potential to be 120-plus point players, t- to do that kind of production in the current era of NHL hockey, when most games are about three, two scores, it's just, it's incredible that, that they're able to put up the type of offense they are. Uh, yeah, of course. And, and Cormac Davy has just 24 years. That's the age of, of Bobby R when he achieved that, that milestone. And Dreisado has 25, I think. It's yeah. not, not that far. And they're just, uh, they're just in the beginning. They're having yeah, they're, a lot. They're their years right now. These are their, these are their best years. The next yep. several years are going to be, and that's when the Oilers really need to take advantage of their youth and the fact that they're going to be putting up these high point totals. So finding the players to surround them with, like I said, to uh, try and go on a deep playoff run and win a Stanley Cup is uh, the most important thing, obviously. But I want to get your thoughts on Miko Koskinen now. And... Although he had a bit of a rough start to the season, he's played much better since Mike Smith returned. And on Wednesday, I thought Koskinen was really solid again. And he made a few big saves late in the game to keep the Oilers in front 3-2. to two. What did you think of Koskinen's performance against the Senators? Well, uh, I, don't, I don't think that was like the, the greatest performance of, of his time, but, but really great. Like because right now you're seeing that our first goal is Mike Smith. The Tippett always put Mike Smith only. Koskinen only plays when when we have that back to back. But I like Koskinen. Uh, he was our goalie last year. Um, is they they changed the goalies a lot. Like they uh, Mike Smith played one game and then Koskinen and then Mike Smith and then Koskinen. And right now we are just with with Smith. And we have Alexis Stalock reaching that opens uh, Koskinen's eyes too, and Smith's eyes also. But but I like Koskinen. He has not been the the same as last year. I think last year he was really better, but he's not been bad. We, we have uh, some problems with the goaltending, of course, but 
But I still like Koskinen. I don't think he would be a, a third goalie. I don't think that Smith and even Stalock that has not even played a game will will surpass him. I think we'll see Koskinen for some time. Yeah, it's the thing with my uh, the thing with Miko Koskinen is is that he's overpaid to be a backup goalie. But yeah. we have we have to almost just forget about his contract and just focus on his overall performance and hope that he's going to give you quality starts when he does get in net. And I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Smith will be the Oilers number one goalie for the rest yeah. of the season and into the playoffs. But that's the type of game you need from Koskinen. Like he stopped 28 out of 30 shots he faced. I thought that he came up with some big saves late in the game. And that's when the Senators were really pushing to tie it. So he, this is the crucial moments and Koskinen shut the door. And then eventually Dreisaitl got the empty net goal for the hat trick with one second left on the clock. And it's, it's funny because that was actually Dreisaitl's second buzzer beater this season. If you remember, he scored a game winner in Winnipeg back in January. Yeah, I remember. I remember um, that one. It was a, and the game was tired. I remember it was not a, a empty net goal. It was a, a goal with a, with a goal in yes, there. that one. It was 3-3, and yeah. he scored with 0.7 seconds left, which is yeah. the latest game-winning goal in Oilers history. Mm-hmm. It's funny because then Dominic Cahoon, uh, his fellow countryman from Germany, yeah. scored the fastest goal to start a game in Oilers history earlier this year. So you got one of the Germans scores the latest game-winning goal ever, and the other scores the fastest goal to start a game ever for the Oilers in the same season. So it's just kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, and they, both, they both are German. Germany is well represented in, in the Edmonton. It's, yeah. it's becoming a better hockey country. I mean, it's not yeah. still one of the top five or six really elite hockey nations, but we're starting to see more and more strong players come out of Germany. And I really think that Dreisaitl is going to be an idol for a lot of kids growing up in that country. And that, kids that want to play uh, hockey are going to look to him. And I mean, Germany is similar to Brazil in the sense that soccer is a a huge sport there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but they have the weather in there. They have the weather for it. Right. Yeah. Here, here we, we don't have it, but I, I can, I couldn't agree more with you. I think we will see a lot of German players in the NHL in the future, like 10, 20 years in front. And most of them, Will just be because of because of Leon Dreisaitl. For sure. And of course, Dreisaitl and McDavid absolutely stole the show yeah. on Wednesday, as they often do. But did anyone else stand out to you in the game? Um, I'm enjoying how Puliyard is playing. Like not just in the Wednesday, but in the in the whole context. He scored he scored one one goal, one goal in the in the last game against Ottawa, not in the the Wednesday one. Uh, I'm really liking him, uh, Yamamoto too, I love to see him, and the, in the defense, like Tyson Barry is scoring a lot of points, a lot of assists, and there is some discussion if he's good or if he's bad, like, just just enjoy that this guy, he's a defenseman, and he's delivering wow. a lot of assists, like, just, just enjoy that the others are actually good uh, for once in a while, finally, they can... They can perform well. And of course, Darnell Nurse is playing good too. Like the defense in the beginning of the season was kind of kind of tough to, to watch. But but right now, I think it's it's better. 
Oh yeah, they're they're definitely improving. And when you've got Darnell Nurse back there, he's having a Norris caliber season. Uh, and the fact that he isn't just producing offensively, but his defensive game hasn't suffered at all. That's just been so impressive. And they needed that because with the Oilers not having Clefbaum for the entire season, yeah. there, there were some big question marks on the left side. They were wondering, you know, how much is Chris Russell going to play? Is Caleb Jones going to be ready to step up? And, you know, he's had a bit of a shaky sophomore season, but last night he looked really good as well. And um, I mean, just just going back to Wednesday's game, for me, it would be Devin Shore and Jujar Kara who uh, stood out outside of the top stars. I thought they were both really defensively solid and helped out on the penalty kill. They also both had some chances to score. So uh, if I had to single out two guys, uh, it would be Shore and Kara who had quietly good games. And that's the that's the kind of things you like to see from your bottom six guys. Oh yeah, of course. I save in the the comments about the fourth line to the to the first game to yesterday's game. But of course, Devin Shore and Jujar Kara, they are really performing well. The the fourth line is a strong line. Doesn't like appear in the in the lot of scoreboards because that's why they are the fourth line. But it's playing really good. I I like uh, Josh Archibald too. Like he yep. he played really great the other one from the fourth line, and. I, I really enjoy to see that uh, all the lines are are working in the in the bottom ones, the bottom six. It's really great to see. Definitely. All right, let's move on to Thursday's rematch in Ottawa now. And the Oilers made history last night by sweeping the nine-game season series against the Senators. And with the victory, the Oilers became the first NHL team to beat a single opponent nine consecutive times in one season since 1955-56. Now, in a normal season with a 31-team league, you can only play a team a maximum of five times. However, due to the all-divisional play this year, the Oilers are playing the rest of the Canadian clubs nine and ten times each. And despite the Sens being the weakest team in the division... The Oilers are still the only team that was able to go undefeated against them all season long. But last night's game was definitely the Senators' best. Uh, I I thought that out of all the games against Edmonton, that was the one where they had the greatest chance to win. And I really thought they outplayed the Oilers for most of the game. But Mike Smith was terrific in goal again, and Edmonton got some secondary scoring to secure the victory. So... It was the it was the depth guys who who really chipped in. I know McDavid did have a primary assist on uh, Yamamoto's goal to start the game, but really the the fact that they were able to kind of grind that one out on the road was really impressive. Uh, Gabriel, did you think the Oilers' winning streak against the Senators was going to end last night? Uh, yeah, for a moment, I I have to be honest, and I thought that we. We would not sweep the the Senators. It was the really, really, really tough game. Um, not just against the Senators. With all the season, it was a tough game. The first the first period was all Senators, and we we kind of found a goal with the in the second period with the Yamamoto one. And I have to I have to say that. Alex Chason, he didn't get an assist, but he was uh, his importance with this, this goal was uh, it was great. He screened the goalie. I actually yeah. thought he was going to get an assist at first. It looked yeah. like it might have went off his stick, but when they reviewed it, 
the goalie had just made the save and then the puck was sitting there for Yamamoto. Yeah, but it was on the on the power play. I, mm -hmm. I thought in the Oilers just uh, just had the the greatest chance on the power play. Like the the Senators were outplayed a lot. The Oilers, and then and then Brown tied it, and I really thought that the Senators would prevail. But then Shar put us in front ahead. Later in the game, in the third period, the Oilers kind of tied up with the Senators. Like didn't outplay them, but it was um, it was um, it was the same the same level between yeah. the two the two the two teams. And then Puliyarov scored on the empty net, and then we could complete the sweep. But I really thought that we we would lose that game. Yeah, it didn't look good for them in the first period. Ottawa was really taking it to Edmonton. And I think when the game was about halfway through, the Oilers still only had seven or eight shots on goal. Yeah, so yeah they, I remember. They really needed to get their play going. And eventually they did get a, a power play after killing off two Ottawa penalties where uh, the, the Senators only had one shot or no shots on one power play and one shot yeah. on the other. And then, of course, Kyler Yamamoto taps in a rebound to break an 11-game goalless drought. So yeah, I was so finally. happy for him to finally get one because he's had a, a bit of a tough stretch here. And um, sometimes you have to just get a lucky break like that. And uh, Connor, or, sorry, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as we know, was uh, not available yeah. for last night's game. And he isn't going to play against the Flames tomorrow night either. But hopefully Ken Holland said in his press availability today that he'll be back next week. When they uh, when they play, I think Winnipeg next Saturday. Yeah. So he'll he'll have some time to rest. If there's if there's any benefit to two games against the Canucks getting postponed next week, it's that the players on the Oilers who are a little banged up right now will have some time to heal and get ready, especially as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. But uh, like I said, a, a chance for Yamamoto to play on the power play because Nugent Hopkins was out and he gets a goal. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like you said, Devin Shore with a big tip. Caleb Jones getting the assist. Really happy to see those guys chipping in. Every once in a while, you need to get a goal from your bottom six. The Oilers don't get yeah. that nearly enough. Their their depth players are doing better than in, in some previous years, but still, it's nice to take a little bit of the burden off McDavid and Dreisaitl to win the game every night. And that was a case where they were able to do that. And then, of course, like you said, Jesse Pugliarvi getting the uh, the dagger goal to seal it with just under 10 seconds left in the game. He's been playing some excellent hockey, too. I really like the way he's been playing with McDavid. He gets up in the play fast. He's making better plays with the puck. He's really good at retrieving pucks in the corner, too. And just yeah, yeah. as he grows into his body and grows into his game, actually, overall, I think that the Oilers have a talented power forward there. He just needs to put all the tools he has together. But the ability is there. And uh, finally, happy to see him get his ninth goal of the year, too. Who would have thought that Jesse would be at nine goals uh, through 40 yeah. games played? He's, he's basically on pace for an 18-goal season. And I think that's kind of what we should be expecting next year if they play a full 82 games, that Jesse could get close to 20 goals. No, Jesse has become an important part of the team, of course. Uh, I like to see him in, on the first line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins normally. But like I said, the, the beginning of the game against the Senators, 
the owners were pretty pretty bad and they they were playing with Dreisaitl and McDavid together oh. in the line in the first game that worked pretty well but you know the second one just one day later that didn't didn't perform and that can happen in the I guess the Senators it's a regular season we have a lot of games but in the playoffs I I don't know I don't trust that that line together <laughs> as we are we're talking about it okay for some time ago but but yeah, the Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that was the the timing of the, his injury, was really, really bad. Has a lot of talks about him being traded, a lot of talks about his his next contract. I would love to see Nugent Hopkins with the Edmonton Oilers. Him and and Clefbone were the two that is the, the longest time with the Edmonton team. That's right. And... And I'd love to see like Nugent Hopkins really well to to play on the playoffs. But I don't know. The others are really tired, especially from tomorrow for tomorrow's game against the, the Flames. Like they were on Edmonton when everything happened with the, the Canucks. And then they they traveled to Montreal in two days and then to Ottawa and now to Calgary just in one week. Like I think they really deserve some some time off to regain confidence, uh, recharge the energies, and came back came back to the to the end of their regular season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like you said, they they need to get healthy. Clefbaum won't yeah. be back this year. They want to have yeah. Nugent Hopkins back, but um, it's just a. It, sometimes you have to give the other team credit too. I mean, the Senators. Yeah, even though it. even though they are a rebuilding team, they do have a lot of young, high-end skill there. They sort of remind me of the Oilers a little earlier in their rebuild. And it's just it's a scenario where it's just gonna take them some time to put it all together. But they still have a lot of pride. And that was a game where they looked like they didn't want to get swept by the Oilers. And I mean, ultimately the Oilers did win all nine games, and I'm glad they did. But they yeah. they took it to them early and I think there was a little bit of blad, uh, bad blood still carrying over from the game on Tuesday. The fact that they were so close in that game and ultimately yeah. gave it away late in the third. And, of course, they they gave away this game late in the third, too, which we saw the Oilers do earlier this year as well. They they might have a couple more overtime points if, uh, if they would have been able to uh, drag a couple games to extra time that uh, they surrendered late in the third period of... Uh, which kind of cost them in, in January and made them sort of have to fight their way back above 500. But still, point is, is that uh, I, I give credit to the Senators for sticking with that game. And like I said, that was probably their best effort against Edmonton all year. No, it was the, the best game that I, I saw the, the Senators playing. They played really with a lot of will. I guess the Oilers, the Oilers weren't played with, with that sort of will, I think. But and the Senators were the, the better team uh, in the last game. I have to admit it, of course. But but uh, gladly that the Oilers could complete the sweep. Uh, I could notice that the Senators really didn't want to to lose nine games in a row. No, and the Edmonton Oilers they didn't want to to be on the headlines in the in this negative way from for them. But 
Well, that broke the, the, it broke the franchise record, too, because the Oilers had beat the Winnipeg Jets eight consecutive times in 1983-84, and then here we are 37 years later, and that record finally gets broken. But um, uh, Mike Smith, once again, was uh, very solid. I just wanted to check his numbers here quickly because right. I think, uh, yeah, he is now this season... He has improved to 14-3-2, which are some pretty strong numbers. And if you look at his two full seasons in Edmonton, he has a 33-15-8 record in 60 appearances. So he's won more than half, or uh, he has twice as many wins as he does losses since he joined the Oilers. But I think there is still some hard feelings attached to him because of how game one of the playoffs went last year. Do you feel that's fair or have you kind of moved on and just sort of said it's a fresh slate with Mike Smith this season? I think Mike Smith is surprising all of the other fans. Like he, the way he's producing, the way he he has become the, the, the goalie of the Edmonton Oilers without any doubt and put Mikko Koskinen on the, on the backup position. And he has done it with 39 years old. That's the the most impressive, I think. But like I said, there is a lot of a lot of a lot of mixed feelings. Like, do I trust 100% Mike Smith for the playoffs? I can't say that. But uh, I think he's performing well. He deserves to be to be well treated. He deserves the position and the numbers that he has. I think I'm I'm enjoying a lot to see that finally. We have a, a goal that is producing well, and I'm really trying to see Mike Smith, uh, and I'm really surprised, as I think a lot of a lot of Oilers fans are, with oh, with his numbers, with his numbers and the way he's playing. Uh, the beginning of the game was kind of tough for him. He he gave a poor play to the Senators in a very complicated moment when the Senators were dominating, could be could be end up badly. And he gave up one turn off, one turnover that that I'm I don't know how the senators didn't didn't score on that one, but he he put his his stuff together and he played really really well in the second and in the third in the third period to secure the the Oilers win and to secure the the sweep against the Saints. Oh, absolutely, and you know. Mike Smith, we I've talked about this several times on the podcast already. He's proving everyone wrong this year and just showing yeah. that even even at his age, he's still able to be a solid goaltender for the Oilers. Aside from that, one of my favorite things this year has been watching him beat his old team, the Calgary Flames, mm-hmm. and he will have a chance to do that again tomorrow night. I believe he's already beat them three times this season and will have a chance on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow night to add to that total. Um, any prediction for the Oilers versus the Flames on Saturday night? Uh, the Oilers are really tired up, like I said, but, you know, Battle of Alberta is a Battle of Alberta. Everything can can happen. But uh, the Oilers have a really, really great ha- record against the Flames the, this year. We have, like, with 10 Battle of Alberta, we lost only... 10 in the whole season. We we lost only two so far. We won four or five. Uh, five, I believe. There are five, five, five of them. Three left. We, we are 5-2 yes. against, the, against the Flames. And I really think that we can make it 6-2. We can secure the, the second spot uh, at least and 
You're gonna have some, to because yeah, pushing hard right now. So yeah, gain, it, it's, that's what I'm going to say. Like gain some advantage against Winnipeg. Try to reach Toronto, even if they are they're eight or six points ahead. There are a lot of points. Yeah, and you know, and end up with the the little the little belief that Calgary has about making the postseason too. Yeah, the Flames are basically done, but. You know, every game is still important for the Oilers because they're trying to stay in the hunt for a division title. It might be tough to wrestle that away from the Leafs, but I think that second place and home ice advantage is still very much yeah, within the grasp. Of course. Uh, and it's going to come down to the games versus Winnipeg, I really believe. Yeah. Uh, the last game against Winnipeg was a game like it was like they smell like a playoff game. Like the way the, the two of them played, like it was really like a playoff game when I watch it. Like when you play the Senators, when you play the Flames, even when we played the the Maple Leafs, it weren't it weren't so near as a playoff game as we we played the, the Jets. And of course I been, uh, I hope that the Oilers could reach the 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 Leafs and and end up in the top of the division, being the champions of the Darf. But uh, I really think that it would be the Oilers against the Jets in the in the in the playoff and it, it would be great if i had to make a guess i don't know oilers in six oilers in seven like it will not be a, an easy it will one. not be easy winnipeg is a very big strong yeah. fast team with skill i'm i'm excited to see that series though yeah that the would home be advantage a... could be could be the difference in this one yeah it could i mean winnipeg does still have a vesna winning goalie and connor hellebuck yeah. so that's that's the one factor for them. And as we know, goaltending is most important in the playoffs. So Mike Smith is going to really have to be on his game and the Oilers superstars will have to carry them from there. But Gabriel, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It's been awesome talking to you. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Oh, my Twitter is EDMOilersBR. We can play just, you can put just Oilers Brazil on, on Twitter. Then you will follow me. And I hope I can I can know a lot of other 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 fans to to talk with to comment about the others. I have a lot of Brazilian ones. Like I wanna I wanna say a, a huge a huge hug from Diego. That's a huge really huge Oilers fan here from Brazil. Uh, a lot of Oilers account a lot of NHL accounts with a lot of teams has an NHL Brazil account. We have the, the general ones like the Puck Brazil, NHL Brazil, uh, Fanatico for Hockey, that's Fanatic for Hockey. NHL is great, it's just women talk about hockey. And you know, we we have a lot of a lot of people talking about NHL here in Brazil. That's awesome, man. You know, it really is a global game and I follow Diego as well. He's cool to talk to and you know maybe all three of us will do a, an episode of the podcast sometime would be great i highly recommend you to to talk with him he's a really massive oilers fan like he yeah, has been I've... to in edmonton he's always since from the beginning of the profile he's always talking with me he always participates he always comment about the games uh would be nice would be nice i highly recommend you to to call him I definitely will. You know, I've already reached out earlier today when he was uh, replying to the tweet that I put out promoting this podcast saying that you're welcome to be a guest on the show sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'll have Diego on. Uh, But anyway, we'll we'll sign off for tonight. But thanks again, Gabriel. Yeah, of course. Uh, I want to say just a huge thank you to to the 
to the the friend that bought the the NHL game instead of the NFL game. I want to send a huge, a huge, <laughs> huge, huge hug from Matheus Rota. It's his name. Uh, a huge, a huge hug to to Lara as well. That's helping me with the the profile. Uh, Rafaela too didn't didn't believe when I started the profile. Make some fun, but right now I'm here talking about the podcast and. And that's it. And thank you, of course, you, Eric, for giving me the chance to talk about it. It's always a pleasure to talk uh, with an Oilers fan about the Oilers. You know, talking Oilers hockey with fellow fans is one of my favorite things to do. So uh, honestly, thank you as well. And I'm glad your friends bought you the game because they helped create a new Oilers fan. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that I, I watched the Everybody Hates Chris uh, episode, like a lot of Brazilians. <laughs> And if if it every time that I I see I see my friend he says that oh if my father doesn't <laughs> didn't didn't change the letters you wouldn't be here watching hockey yeah. and I and I probably say that he's right he's right if he he bought the NFL game instead of NHL I wouldn't be of the profile I wouldn't be here it would be so different. That, that, that's really one of the most unique stories I've ever heard of how <laughs> someone became an Oilers fan. It's going to be tough to top that one. <laughs> so, thank you. And, of course, we have fans in Brazil, fans in Canada, of course. I I speak with a lot of German fellows that is also watching the Oilers. There is one fan in Portugal that also has a lot of... He's always participating. We have Oilers, let's go Oilers, all around the world right now. For sure. All right. Have a good night, Gabriel. Oh, you too. You too, Ken. Thank you again for the for the opportunity. My pleasure. So for Gabriel Candido, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out. Oh,